Hello, hello, and welcome to the Borealis Experience. I'm your host, Aurora, and I'm very excited to have Phil Lemieux today yes. with me. <laughs> and I'm going by my real name today. He's going by his real name, and if you don't know what Lemieux means, it means the best. And uh, so far, what I've learned from Phil, um, he is being the best. He's a super host. He's a super interview guest. I guess I'll find out today. <laughs> and uh, he's a big dog out there when it comes to podcasting. And yeah, I'm just very excited to get him to know a little better and for his audience to get him to know a little deeper. And uh, yeah, everybody's going to benefit here. Um, Phil, how did your story start? I know that a lot of people who are out there supporting others, doing podcasting, have a story that led to that career. Um, start out with, uh, with your youth or maybe your childhood, wherever you want to start. All right, we'll we'll go back about we'll go back about 30 years. Let's go back then. Um <laughs> just um I grew up in a relatively very happy uh my my childhood was like ideal if you will. We did move around a lot. I moved from Montreal. I'm originally from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Moved to Prince Edward Island when I was about five years old. I lost my grandfather around the same time and uh my birthday um when I was five years old and my parents said oh no he he has a little bug on his thing and we celebrated my birthday a, a week early specifically so that we could make sure that he could see my fifth birthday and I've always kind of taken him as my guardian angel someone who's always watching over me and he loves he loved blue jays so whenever I see a blue jay I always think of him and I think of my grandparents because like that's that's my my grandfather and then Move, we moved to Ottawa a few years later, then back to Montreal and uh, been living in Montreal my whole life and lost, lost my grandparents uh, while I was in high school. I only had two grandparents pretty, uh, pretty much after grade, uh, when I was five, had my mom's father. Uh, her mother passed away when my parents got married, so I never really got to meet my uh, mother's mom. Uh, my grandmother uh, passed away the same year as 9-11, earlier in 9-11, And uh, it was really weird because my grandfather had passed away. My, uh, we called him Poppy. Uh, so my Poppy passed away. And then like two weeks later, my grandmother died on Mother's Day right in front of us on, at, uh, at a family dinner at a St. Subaru barbecue, which is like a chicken restaurant, kind of like Swiss chalet. And it was just like, you have, she was sitting right in front of me. We had just finished all the photographs of all the, the, the grandkids, the family all together, like really happy occasion. And then, You're just sitting here, we're eating, and she starts coughing, like she's choking, and the waiter comes in, tries to give her the Heimlich, and it's not working. My dad realizes what's going on. She's having a heart attack. And he's like, Mama, just tell her, tell him you're doing fine. And he's like, she's like, okay. She sits down, and she peacefully passes away after that little era. And it was just like, you have three kids. You have my, my sister, who's maybe, she's three years older, uh, two years older than me, and my brother, who's only 18 months younger than me. And then my, my cousins who are there, there are obviously older and then my aunts and uncles and then we just witnessed like this is the first time I've ever seen someone die like I've seen dead bodies before from like when going to funerals but like 
this is the first time death has actually like physically entered my life, you know, like saying, hi, I'm death. Here's what's going on. So rather they're passed in front of me and it, it affected me, but I don't think I realized how much it affected me until later in life and uh, doing therapy. And we'll get to that. That's a fun story. Um, but yeah, her passing away and it was just like, what, what the hell? Like, what's going on? Like, why did I lose two people who were so important to me so close together? So it really affected me there. And I, I went into a bit of a bubble when I was uh, going through the rest of my schooling. Uh, didn't want to meet people. Didn't really want to, like, I, at school, I was very social. Everybody knew who I was. But outside of school, I didn't really hang out with anybody because I was drawn in. I didn't want to connect with people. Uh, on a on a deeper level than just surface, because I was always I was terrified that they would pass away, and then that's something I learned only from uh, doing therapy uh, later in my life uh, after my burnout. Uh, but yeah, so I lost my grandparents really early, and it it struck me. And my dad's family is an interesting family. They're they're not really well connected. They're they're they kind of look down on my dad and put him down because he was the youngest and they didn't really, and it was a really weird dynamic. They, they all the table. So there was always anger whenever I would go to my grandparents for Christmas or any holiday. So I've always had like this, I guess you could say I, I've had an anger issue because of like losing my grandparents and then, you know, always being surrounded by this anger at like apparently happy times, like Christmas, Christmas and Easter, they're supposed to be happy, you know, there's celebration, family, love, but it always would devolve into an argument whenever we're at my my, my dad's parent, uh, my dad's family's place. And after my grandmother passed away, my dad's like, "Yeah, no more. We're not going to be seeing them unless we have to. Weddings, yes. Funerals, yes. But every other thing, probably not." And what ended up happening is, when I was born, my parents didn't make my dad's brother my godfather. And in in a French family, it's very important. Like the the oldest sibling is uh, usually the godparent to uh, to the children. And because I'm the only, I was the firstborn male side. So I was like, come to Jesus. I was like, Jesus reborn for my grandparents. Like my, I, where I was, uh, the hospital I was born in, it's right in front of this giant church we have here in Quebec, uh, in Montreal. Ended up the blinds up for my grandmother to see, see me. She was like, she said in French, mon dieu, il va être un prêtre pretty much saying, oh my God, he's going to be a priest. And my mom's like right beside her going, what the hell are you saying? No, he's not. You know, like I, it was kind of like a joke in the family that I was going to become a priest or at least someone who spoke a lot. And lo and behold, I become a podcaster later in life. And all I do is talk. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I ha always had this thing. And my uncle, like I, I had this complex that I wasn't important enough in my life because uh, people that I would like, I would expect to love me and care for me treated me as like an afterthought. So I've always thought of myself as an afterthought throughout my whole life. And growing up, same thing. I was reserved, didn't, do, didn't go out, hit 18. That's when I kind of like decided to start fluttering my wings, start connecting with people, learning and met some great people, developed my personality, developed who I was, let myself like evolve into this great person. And then... Yeah, about six years, I started my, my first podcast, The Feel Better Show, just to talk to people about movies because I'm passionate about movies. I love movies and just sit and have a chance to sit and talk with my friends about movies, right? 
And so I was handling that all myself, doing everything, not even asking my co-hosts to help out. It was just me, me, me. Because I thought if I, I can't, group work never works. And so I started doing it all myself. And I was starting a, a, a relationship with this amazing lady. Um, and it was going good. And then it just fell into this like toxic situation. My, my work life wasn't, I wasn't moving up in my work. It was, it was just stagnant. I was like entry level, couldn't move up. And it was really annoying. And I, I, I jumped around for a couple of jobs, never really like seeing, like, I was always told I was special, you know, why am I not moving up and not understanding? And I'm like, I'm, I'm doing what they say, you know, I'm doing everything. I'm going above and beyond and I'm not getting the recognition, not doing all this. And that just led to me being more harder and harder on myself, which caused me to gain weight, caused the relationship that I was in, which was in a, a great relationship to turn sour and just start getting like to more toxic and just keep the toxicity. Cause I wouldn't talk to my partner. Like I advocate like communication key, but I wouldn't talk with my partner about some of this stuff. Cause I was either embarrassed or I didn't know how to share that. Cause I never ever was taught how to share that. And then, um, and then uh, about in 2019 uh, we broke up and it hit me hard hit me very hard because I was like, I thought I was going to live the rest of my life with this girl, right? Like, this is the person that I care for. Like, I've, I live together and all this. And we ended up breaking up. And I just like, I had no passion in life. I had nothing anymore. I was lost. I was rudderless. So I just dived dive deep into my, uh, my work and my job. And I was just pushing, 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 pushing. And all of pretty much 2019 until the end, uh, in November of 2019, Funny enough, very close to my birthday. A lot of crazy things happened around my birthday for some reason. Um, I had a blow with my parents, mainly my mother. And like my mother is, uh, I'm the biggest mama boy in the world. Like, like me and my dad can go head to head and we have gone head to head countless times, kind of like two bulls, you know, locking horns, trying to decide who's bigger. But like my mom would come in and say, stop that. And I'd be like, okay, I'm sorry. Like my mom would tell me, I'm terrified of my mother. I love my mother to death, but I'm terrified of her. Even though I know I could like easily just like snap her like a twig. I'm terrified of my mother, but I love her to death. Like there is no one in this world. that. And I had an argument over, with her over Christmas ornaments of all the things. Like, cause they downgraded from the house. Cause like none of the kids were living with them. They moved into a condo. And they were getting rid of the Christmas ornaments. They're like, here, we're going to give you the Christmas ornaments. You choose between da, 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 And it just, somehow an argument just developed. And it was just a screaming match. And like, you have my dad there, my brother. My brother uh, was a paranoid schizophrenia about 20 years ago. And has been living with that. So whenever there's a change or an, like there's aggressivity in the room, it sets him off. So like everybody's trying to be calm around him. And here I am blowing up. My, my nephew's there, my brother-in-law's there, my sister's there, my dad, my mom, my brother, just arguing. And it's like, what the hell? And so my parents, like, my dad was like, what's wrong with you? And a little later, my mom comes out of her room because she, she's like, I, I can't deal with you. You're being an asshole. Excuse my language. And she just left and ended up cooling down, stuff uh, like cooled down. Then my mom was like, okay, you need help. And I'm like, yes, I need help. I, I admitted to myself that I was not doing well. I needed help. Wasn't in a good place. So my dad made an appointment with the, the family doctor, went to see him, uh, did the physical, did the blood test, all that. Uh, I was at 300 pounds. 
uh, heavy. Most of my life, I was at 200 pounds. Um, I was at 300 pounds, uh, possible kidney stones uh, because of my weight and how I was living. And then, uh, fine, we'll try the antidepressants. We'll, go, we'll do that for a few months. Do that for December. Come January, nothing's changed. It's work is still like I'm just getting angry and angrier and angrier and like nothing's like there's nothing. And I'm I, I ended up stopping my for my podcast because I was like, I can't, like I can't do this anymore. It's too much. I I'm just I'm gonna explode. So I put the podcast on hiatus and then uh have a follow-up meeting with the doctor, sit down with him. I'm like, I can't, my mental health isn't isn't doing well. I can't do this anymore. And he's like, okay, uh, how much time do you want off? I'm like, I, and I have such a strong work ethic. And whenever I think of people taking time off, I'm like, what the hell's wrong with you? You know, you don't need to work. You can do this. Like that was my old mentality. And I, I kind of still had it then. And I was like, I only need two months. And I put a challenge to myself. I'm like, you have two months to figure out what the fuck's wrong with you. Excuse, again, excuse my language. I'm not sure if I were allowed to swear. Oh yeah. Uh, we're okay. Good. Oh, let it all. <laughs> um, so I was like, what, what, you have two months to figure out what the fuck's wrong with you. Get your head right and get going. Luckily, my doctor put me in touch with an amazing psychologist. And I called the, the day that I got my time off from work. Like I walked my dad took me from the, uh, the doctor's office to my work. I walked in, talked with my boss. I'm like, here, He's like, how much time do you have off? I'm like, two months. He's like, okay, cool. I'm like, call me if, I, if anything. He looks at me. He's like, are you a fucking idiot? Get the hell out of the office. I don't, need, I don't want to see you for two months. I don't want to hear from you for two months. Like, go heal. We'll deal with whatever. You just go take care of yourself. And uh, I love, he was, he's an amazing boss, great guy. Um, and it's like, it was one of the best pieces of advice. Like, fuck work, just go heal. And so I went home called the psychologist and she got me an appointment. Like, she's like, okay, Tuesday, the following Tuesday. Like, so this was a Wednesday that uh, the 31st of January, I went on uh, burnout Tuesday. I had my first appointment at the, with the, uh, the psychologist. And I had always said, I'm going to go to, I know I need psychologists. I, I need to go see, I mean, now I had the time. I had two months off. So it was like, okay, time to go. So I went into the therapy and I sat down and I'm like, I, I don't know what to do. And she's like, just, let's just talk. So I'm like, okay, I'm used to talking. I, I have a podcast. I can do this. So we started talking. I just, stuff just, whoom, stuff from my past was coming out. Like, I didn't even know that was an issue. We just talked and talked and talked. And it was one of the, probably one of the best moments of my life, that first session of just sitting, talking with her and realizing that she's there to help me. Because I was always scared to open up to people because I, I, I'm worried that someone's going to manipulate and use that power against me and hurt me, right? Because you see all these people using secrets or relieving, uh, releasing stuff. And it's like, I don't want that out there. I don't need that out there. I don't need people. Because I was always under the impression that perfection, 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 right? And then when you do therapy, you realize no one's fucking perfect. Like releasing it to her kind of like opened up my, like opened me up. And I was like, wow, this, this feels good. You know, talking, communication, so I was seeing her weekly for six, six months and then COVID hit, you know, like right in, like right in the middle of my burnout, COVID hit. So lockdown happened March 
uh, I think seventh in Quebec. But as we're going through, like I'm doing multiple things because I want to be ready to go back at least 50% charged so that I can go back to work and I have the tools necessary to fight off anything and keep charging my batteries. So I'm Tuesdays are my appointments with my psychologist. Thursdays, I was going to my parents' place to see my nephew. And now my nephew was only like two years old at the time or just, or just turning two. And the pure love and just innocence of him just filled me with joy. Like it, he, seeing him and just being able to be like, okay, what are we doing? We're going to just play with a car and just drive it back and forth. Cool. And just the simplicity of the child was something I was like, oh my God, like I need more simplicity in my life. I need more childlike behavior. So every Thursday it was like, I would go to my, my parents' place. I would, my, my sister would drop off my nephew. I would play with my nephew, just be with my nephew. And then I would eat supper and my dad would drive me home afterwards. And then COVID hit. And then I lost that opportunity to see my nephew because my sister was very scared uh, about contracting COVID. So she's like, no one's seeing the baby. You can see him on FaceTime. That's it. That's all. And it, it sucked greatly. But at the same time, I understood like it, she's a new mother. They went through a lot of work to get the baby. So like she wants to protect this child. And I'm, I'm no, no anger at all towards her. Like I probably would have done the same thing, you know, later on, through COVID, she's like, okay, you guys can come visit, but you have to stay at the end of the driveway. You know, we got to see him and he was confused because he's like, but I want to go hug them. I want to hug Nana. I want to hug Papa, you know, and he was about why he couldn't, but he, he forgot about it now. Like now he's like jumping in our arms. We're all vaccinated and all that. We're all uh, vaccinated in that. But so like I had to figure out different methods of, it's a very cute thing when we FaceTime with him, he loves hanging up the phone. So the minute you say bye, his finger's already on the button clicking and you don't even get to say bye to everybody else. You say bye to him and then it's done. You have no, you can't say bye to anybody else. So you kind of have, okay, pass me to mommy, pass me to daddy. Okay, bye. <laughs> and then he hangs up. So it's super cute, but I had to figure out, figure out a way to, to, to heal and get that positivity and that like happiness back into my life. And so I consider my nephew, I, I was blessed, my sister, uh, made me the godfather. And I take that, like, I call myself the godfunkle because I, I consider myself the fun uncle, you know, like I'm the, I'm the one that's there. I'm, I'm the jungle gym. I'm like full on down. Oh, we're going to be playing in the dirt. Cool. I'm in the dirt. I'm doing things for his, for his one year birthday. I ended up buying him a bouncy castle for a one-year-old. This is not a toy or a thing you get a one-year-old. You get a three, four, five-year-old, this toy. But no, I went out and I bought him a $300 bouncy castle just because I wanted to be that fun uncle. And my brother-in-law was like, really? And my sister was like, fuck. Because <laughs> she figured I would do something like that. Like, I, I am that type of person. Like, my family knows I will do anything just for fun. Um, so I bought him this and I, I teased for a long time. They, they finally put it up and have him play on it more often now. But when he was one years old, one and two, I could understand them not wanting to bounce on a bouncy castle, right? He doesn't have the, the equilibrium to walk around in that. So it's really great to see him on it. But he just filled me with joy. So I need to find a way to fill myself with joy. And doing the therapy, I figured out I have to walk. So like the third week into the therapy, I would walk home. Now, this is in February. 
in Montreal. It is cold as, okay, it's super cold. So here I am, I have this huge coat on and I'm walking, I'm 300 pounds and I'm walking at least a good 30 minutes home. And I'm, I get home and I'm drenched, just drenched. Like I have to change my shirt. I have to like shower because it's horrible how, how sweaty I was afterwards. But it got me into the, mo it started getting that like positivity. So I would, I would continue walking. Like if I didn't, I tried to get a walk in at least 15 minutes every day. And it was helping. I always start losing weight. I started fasting, doing intermittent fasting, you know. And it started bringing my, my mental awareness and the therapy helped. But then I kind of had a little crash when COVID hit because while I was doing this, I had to deal with the, the insurance company for my short-term if you break an arm, they're like, all right, cool. You're off for like six weeks or whatever. We're cool. Don't have to deal with you again. I had had um, my appendix taken out at the, from this, when I was working at the same company years earlier. And they're like, okay, uh, so what did your doctor say? And I said, my doctor said this amount of time, you know, how, what's the pain? One to zero, all the, uh, one to 10, all this. Like, okay, we agree with what your doctor says. You can have that time off. And I never heard from them again. I received my money from my, uh, got paid, but I never heard from them again. Even when I went back to work, never heard from them. When I went on burnout, I heard from them at least three to four times a month. And I was like, the first time she's like, okay, well, since you're doing so well and you're getting all, all, all better, um, we think you should be coming. We're going to give you the documents. You can go see your doctor and we'll, we'll put you back to work. And I'm like, are you fucking serious? Do you have a medical degree, by the way? Do you have any medical degree? No, you don't have a medical degree. Then what makes you think that I'm ready when I have two medical professionals who are saying that I'm not? I'm like, and I, 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 I lost it on her. And I, my dad was in the apartment. He couldn't believe how I was talking because I was talking to this person who technically controls money coming into my life. And I'm like talking to her, talking to this lady like she's a, like the worst human being alive. She's just doing her job, but I was nowhere nowhere near ready. Like if, if anything, that little explosion that I did with her should have cemented in her mind, like, no, he needs two months. He's, he's messed up. And I, I told her, I'm like, if I go back to work because you guys want me to go back to work and I burn out a second time, I am suing you. I'm suing your manager and I'm suing your fucking company as well as the company I work for because it's fucking bullshit that you're forcing someone on a medical leave of absence from a, a doctor who's been in the industry. I, and I just, and she's like, well, 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 if your doctor, sir, 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 she's trying to calm me down after like lighting a fuse and it wasn't happening. Like my fuse was so short that within seconds it would go off. Like the littlest inconvenience would set me off into like a, a rage for some reason. So like I was on full rage and my dad's just looking at me. I'm like, he's like, do I have to take the phone away from my son? Like, this is going to be a really awkward situation if I have to take the phone away from my son and say, ma'am, we're going to call you back. Like, what the hell is wrong with you? But I ended up like, I'm like, just send me the documents and I'm going to get it taken care of. I can't fucking believe this. And I hung up on her and I called my therapist right away. I was like, I, I need help. And she was in a, a session. So I'm like, hey, doc, da, da, da. I explained what happened. Give me a call back. I just, I need to talk. And so within like 10, 20 minutes, she calls me back and my dad had helped calm me down, but I was still 
like my, my energy was just all over the place. And she, 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 she talked to me. She's like, I understand. This is really weird. They usually wait at least a month before they start being assholes. And they're kind of being assholes a little too early. She's like, don't worry. I'll be writing a, a letter to your doctor. He's going to put it into the file. So like, we're covering you. We're taking care of you. And I was like, thank God. Like someone's on my side. Like, I feel like I have a teammate here. And end up, they end up getting the documents. The doc, they, they leave me for the two months. And I, I feel I should have took three in like hindsight's 2020. I should have took three months, not two, because three months would have been like, I would have got to 75 and I would have been in a better place. But I took the, I took the two months, got to a place where I was like, okay, I can handle stuff. I have some tools in my repertoire from talking with my therapist and, you know, thinking and meditating and working out and losing weight. I was in, I was like, I started to switch and I was like, you know what? I need to figure a way to get out of this nine to five job. Like I can't do nine to five anymore because it's killing me. It's, it's the, it's draining me of all energy. Like I go to work, I come home and I don't want to do anything. And it's like, no, I need to do something. I need to stay active. I need to keep me stimulated and Netflix and chill my whole life away. So I started researching how to be, you know, like, affiliate marketing, email list marketing, digital marketing, all these different things. And I realized, I'm like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to be an entrepreneur. I don't know how to run my own business. I don't know anything about that. My whole family, the whole lives have been nine to fivers. The closest to an entrepreneur in my life was my father. And he worked for an insurance company. So he worked on a commission. So even then that wasn't an entrepreneurial life. He was still kind of like, he's, he has this big company behind him. So he has that reputation. He's not working on his own reputation. So I started my, my second podcast, uh, Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast, strictly for me to find out how to be an entrepreneur. So I started talking with other entrepreneurs and interviewing them. And then I started my company last year, uh, earlier this year, landed client after client. So like, I'm happy there. But the biggest lesson I learned from like my burnout and talking with entrepreneurs is like, you need to talk to people. Like you cannot keep everything inside because if you keep everything inside you're just it's it's like that i I don't know if it's a buddhist saying but it's like holding a hot coal waiting to someone Mm. the only person you're hurting is you holding that hot coal or you're trying to poison someone by you know drinking the same poison that they are they're taking like negativity is going to happen bad things are going to happen but if you concentrate on that you're just hurting yourself you have to look for the good in every situation, every bad situation in my life. Like I look at it, I'm looking back on the last two years of my life. If my girl, if my ex didn't break up with me, we wouldn't be having this conversation. You wouldn't have been a guest on my podcast. I wouldn't have learned how to build my own business. I wouldn't have dropped 80 pounds to be 220. You know, I wouldn't have gotten the help I needed to build the tools to help me when I do face difficulties. And so I, I look back at it like, yes, it was a, a low point in my life, but also it was the moment that I decided I'm taking control of my life. I'm going to be doing exactly what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I'm going to work on it. And my life has like, I would never have thought I would have gotten to where I am today, three years ago. Like if I said, if someone told me three years ago that I would be running my own business, I'd have media credentials to go to a huge event in France I'd be talking on podcasts and talking with multi millionaires, business owners, entrepreneurs, influencers, 
uh, people that I admire, sports owners, you know, sports team owners. Like I, I would be like, you don't know what you're talking about. And it all came from that, that argument, that the most lowest point of my life when I was arguing with my mother around my birthday in 2019, because if I didn't have that moment, nothing else would have happened. I would have probably just continued down a spiral of despair. Who knows, maybe become an alcoholic, maybe become a drug user. I don't know, like something to escape the mundane or the, the negativity of my life. And it was probably one of the best things to happen to me mm. because it, it just, it, the, the domino effect that came from it, the positive that came from it, outweighs that little that happened, you know, like it is, it is my, f- I'm so happy that it happened. And it's weird to say that because like, yeah. you're happy this negative event happened to you. Yes. Cause if sure. I didn't have that negative event, none of the positive stuff that I've have have would have come through. Like I am now doing a 30 day challenge to uh, journal for 30 days, uh, work out for 30 days, go for an hour walk each day for 30 days. And I'm videotaping it because I want to show like, look, this is what happens when you do a 30 day challenge. Like here is video every, every day I'm doing it Mm. so that people can see like self-improvement can be. So the 30 day challenge is is so important. This is why I'm doing it. I want to show people that, Hey, look, here's 30 days worth of like videos of me doing push-ups, sit-ups and planking as well as walking every day and being sweaty as I am now. I don't know why I'm so sweaty right now. It's not that hard out. Um, but I guess it's cause I'm sharing it, it's something that's really funny. And my therapist actually, this, she's like, whenever you share something that's really personal, Phil, you get really sweaty. So I know that you're doing, you're doing something good because you're sweating. Yeah. And so I guess oh, it's so hard. It is so hard. And there's a reason why so many people choose to not walk that path. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I'm just so amazed on how, like, never anyone before you like went so deep into the story and and I could really feel your anger and feel your desperation and everything and it is so beautiful and then yeah I talk a lot about how some people you know how there's trees maybe in Montreal as well they have to go the seeds have to go through frost or through fire in order to germinate and you're one of one of those people who had to walk through hell by himself, right? Your nephew helped, but that was an outside source. You found the source within yourself and you walked your path and you are now getting healthier with every day probably. And, And to share this, to share that, yeah, you are grateful now for, for all that happened is only possible because you can see where it led to you. And for Mm -hmm. people who are still fighting depression, who are still fighting with their heartbreak and stuff, it is so hard to see. But with this interview, I will try to show people, yes, but keep going. Believe in yourself and know that the impossible is going to be possible soon. And um, I'm so grateful that we connected and that you shared it so in depth here because I feel uh, people people will be very motivated and feel empowered by your story here. Oh, I, I, I'm just so thankful that I can share it. You, this is the first time I probably went into depth about the whole situation about 
where I started in my past. Like not a lot of people know about my past. Not a lot of people know, like I, I mentioned that I had a burnout and it certain things happened, but I, I never really went into depth about like my story. And mm-hmm. I'm, thank you for you. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful that I have the opportunity to share my story, but also I'm grateful that we connected because I don't think I would have the opportunity on any other podcast to have this, this chance to share my story, to help others heal from, mm-hmm. from their trauma, because we all have trauma. We all have baggage. We all, there's no such thing as the perfect individual. There's no such thing as the perfect partner or anything like that. And if you think your partner's perfect, uh, they're probably perfect for you, but they're not perfect in life. You know, you have to, a partnership you need to build and you need teamwork and it takes a community to, like they say, it takes a community to raise a child, but it takes a community to raise a human. Mm-hmm. Like you're always learning. You're always growing as an individual. Like science shows that every seven years you're your cells change like they, they die off and new cells come in so you're not the same person I, I, I'm not the same person I was seven years ago genetically like genetically I can pretty much say I, I am not the same person uh, ago but mentally I can say I'm not the same person I was yeah I started. yeah I feel like even if you were talking to your parents or maybe your ex I don't know if you're still in contact with her you have a different identity today. You identify yourself through other things and you you let old Phil in the past and new Phil is growing bigger and healthier and, and supporting others. And uh, the most important thing is not seeing a victim in him, himself, but a warrior, right? You don't mm-hmm. sound like a warrior. You You have like, you're totally authentic with your pain. You're, you're validating it. But at the same time, you are not a victim. And then when you talk about your insurance, I feel they experience, I don't want to protect them, but they experience so many people who are, uh, you know, burnt out and depressed. And then they realize, oh my God, this is actually awesome. I get so much attention and I don't have to go to work again. And not to say everybody else does no, that. No, there, there are people that abuse it. And I, and right. I know there are. Right, but but to they have to learn to be, more sensitive for fuck's sake. Like it cannot be that a person opens up, is ready to go to therapy and to do everything in his power and then to be treated like this. Like this system has to change radically Mm -hmm. because I feel after COVID, we're going to have so much many more like depressed people and people who want to change their lifestyle. and, And we have to have a system that is ready to receive and to support these people. And this is what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to to create a platform where people can just bleed everything out and and help others to feel less alone in in this mess. We're all in this together, as cliche as it sounds. Um, But you're living proof that it is possible to help yourself and and to do this 30-day challenge and... I just have so much respect for you, Phil. Thank I, you. Um, yes, blown away. <laughs> um, well, I, I'm blown away because you're doing this. You're you, you. Obviously, when we spoke on my podcast, you you explained how you started this podcast as a way for you to heal, mm-hmm. and then you moved in and you realized I'm I'm healing, but there's other people who are hurting just like me, mm-hmm. and so you gave them the opportunity to come on and share their share their pain so that they can release it and not hold it in anymore and be like, it's okay. Like this is a safe place you can share. No one's going to judge if you've had a burnout or you've 
had an issue with, you know, in your relationships or anything like that, you're, you're, you're open and you're safe. It's a safe place. And I think even though the, the, the BS about, oh, the new generation needs safe places and all this, I, I, it's not that we need a safe place. We just need a place that we can sit down and we can release Mm-hmm. And be and not have the outside world and the pressure from the outside world pushing in on us because the world where the previous generations grew up isn't the same world we're in now. Mm-hmm. It's completely different. Before we would only have to look at a magazine and we'd see the buff person and be like, okay, that's fine. I don't have to look at that magazine. I'm fine. You know, for your your mental being about how you're, you're supposed to look. Like I I've always been like I'm pissed off at how I've always looked. And I've been told, yes, I, I know it's weird. I've been told, oh, you're so cute. You're handsome, this and that. And, but for me, it's like, no, I want to look like, you know, Ro- The Rock or, you know, like Vin Diesel or someone like ripped to shreds, the muscles, you know, seven foot, you know, because when you're on Tinder or you're over there, if you're under six foot, don't even bother talking to me. And it's like, well, there's a lot of guys under six foot that are great people. Like I have a great personality. And one of the things I always had a problem with is my looks and my weight has always been an issue for me. And surprisingly, I've been able, like the women I've been able to date and be with, they're, they're drop-dead gorgeous. And I'm like, how? So I, I always pictured it. I always thought it was because I have a great personality. Time out. Yes. Okay, go ahead. Compliment me away. Go ahead. I know. No, 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 no. I'm not going to give you what you get from everybody else. <laughs> Anyways, that's not... Ah, the dang it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're so cute. No, man. There's a, there's a bunch of women awakening right now and learning and realizing that it is an energy thing. It is the looks, of course, at first, but it is an energy thing. And let me tell you, Vin Diesel, The Rock, and you, you guys have very similar energies. You have similar purpose out there in society. So don't worry about your looks. Just worry about shining your light and sharing your story like you're doing right now. And you're going to draw in one goddess after the other. But it is not about the looks anymore. And and I'm so happy to see that shift happening. Of mm-hmm. course, when you're on Tinder, um, you choose to, to connect with people. There might be exception, uh, exceptions that are still very old-fashioned to say. And, and, you know, but there is people out there and they will not be on Tinder who know how to cut through that bullshit shit and to see the energy, the soul and, and who that person really is. And um, I hope you can let go of these. Uh, yeah. It, it, it's a work in progress. You know, I, I, yeah. I do realize like, I, I, I know I have a great personality because I, my friends tell me I have a great personality. I know, I, I know I do because I've worked on my personality because I always thought of myself not as the, the, the sexy guy or the, you know, the, the good looking guy. I've always been like the funny best friend, if you will. So I, I, I know my personality is like magnetic to all. And because I, I love talking, I love sharing, love learning about people. And I, I can tell a joke relatively funny. Um, so I, 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 I have that ability and it's just getting past the stupid mental block of society saying you have to be six foot, you have to be chiseled, you have to be this, you have to be that and just rely upon looks. And I know with age, like it's true that when you're 99 years old, you're not going to look the same as you were when you were 20 or 30, 30 years old. So it's trying to get past that. I'm like looking at these amazingly beautiful women. And like, I look in my past 
And I'm like, if I can get them for my winning personality, then I can get like, I can attract the, the perfect woman. And each one of my, my ex-girlfriends, they taught me something. They taught me exactly what kind of relationship that I want. And it's been amazing. And the, the last relationship, um, actually last year, um, I found out that my, uh, she, she was like, so when I was dating, we were in the same circle of friends when we started dating. And I, when we broke up, someone that I thought was one of my best friends started dating my ex. And I didn't find out that they were dating until six months later after they started dating. And at the time I was like, okay, it's fine. I don't care. It's like six months. It's fine. Then I find out that it was like, it was six months prior that they started dating. And I was like, why didn't you come to me first? Like, I, I, I'm not going to stop you from dating. I can't, I have no right to do that. But like looking at it as a guy to guy, it's like, that's, you, you ask for like, you just like, Hey, do you have a problem with this? And obviously I would have been like, probably would have said no or go ahead. I don't, I don't care. But the fact that they kept it a secret, that's what hurt the most. And it's like, it stabbed me. And I, I ended up talking with my therapist about it. And she's like, you know, it, it's fine, this and that. And so what I did was very simple. I just cut them out of my life. I was like, you know what? No, I don't need them anymore. And I, I told the guy, because I, I still care deeply for her, regardless of what has happened between us. We shared seven years of our lives together and had an amazing time. We, I visited Europe with her. I, visit, I went to Cuba for the first time with her. Like I have a lot of amazing memories from being with her. Like she, she bought me tickets to the Notre Dame uh, Fighting Irish, my favorite college football. And she bought me that for my birthday. And it was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I'm going, going to see my team. This is my, something that connects me to my grandfather because he was a huge Notre Dame fan. When he came over from Scotland, he was like, I'm, he found out about Notre Dame. And he's like, boom, Notre Dame for life. So like, that's the connection I have with my grandfather. And I got to see them play. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. So I have all these amazing memories from her. And even though that event, most people will let it taint the whole relationship. I can't, I can't, I can't let it taint the relationship because there's too much positivity in that relationship. Even if the last year was the worst year of our relationship, it still doesn't outweigh the, all the that we had. And so I, I, I told the guy, I was like, look, I fucking hate you for what you did. However, as long as you keep her happy, we're good. You hurt her in any way, and I will kill you. Because that's how much love I had for her. And like the, the she, it, it, I don't know how to explain it. It's a, it's, for me, I've always been a protector. Like I've always wanted to protect people, help people, make them better, or just take away their pain. And it's even, even with, other girlfriends further in the past, I even like, I may not be a hundred percent in contact with them or connected to them, but when I see their successes because of mutual friends, I celebrate it because it's like, yes, go ahead. Isn't that way more important than a couple of muscles on your yes. butt? I, I, I know it's, it's, it's more important. It's, it's, it's the duality of, of my life. Like I'm, 
trying to fight against society's concept of what it is to be the perfect man, quote unquote, and what it is that you, you're already the perfect person. You just need to fine tune yourself and don't worry about if you're not 100%. Like I I've worked on my internal so much that I know it outshines my, my perceived uh, external looks. Um, and I guess it, it's also, it comes from me still being like, th- like thinking that I'm 300 pounds mm-hmm. and, 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 and just visualizing, like whenever I think of like someone who's 300 pounds, I, I'm thinking like my 600, 600 pound life, you know, or the biggest loser, stuff like that. And I'm like, I would never get through 300 pounds. And then all of a sudden here I am, here I am at the end of 2019, 300 pounds. I've put on a hundred pounds. I, I look disgusting. I feel disgusting. I have no energy. My mental capacity is, is destroyed. And now I'm looking back, I'm looking now and I'm like, I may not look, but I can look like Vin Diesel or as close to Vin Diesel as possible. I may not be that seven foot or six foot giant of a man that most women want, but I don't want a woman who wants a, a guy who's six foot. Cause that's Already right there, the relationship is starting off in a negative foot because I don't meet her criteria, if you will. I, 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 as much as I look for looks are important because obviously you have to be attracted to your partner. I'm looking more for that deeper connection, that energy, because I know that is what's more important, that energy, that, the value connection. And because you can end up falling in love with someone no matter what they look like. But if you can't fall in love with who they are as a person, then you're never going to be happy in your relationship. And mm-hmm. I, I've learned that I can't change anybody. And obviously people can't change who I am um, because it's, you won't feel authentic. But I do want to find a partner that wants to change or be better or constantly look to be a better person. Either it's being a better cook, being a better mother, being a better lover, being a better, you know, friend, being a better, you know, employee, or just having a better body, like always look life so that they're always, they're, they're, they're looking to Matthew McConaughey actually says this. He's like, I'm thankful for two people. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for my family, but I'm also, I'm always looking to that person in five years. And I'm hoping to be that person in five years. So I, I'm like, I look at that now. I have a five-year plan. I know where I want to be in five years. I want to be a billionaire. I want to be a billionaire in five years. So I'm putting in the work now to get there. Like, obviously, if I don't hit a billion dollars, I'm not going to cry myself. If I hit a million dollars, I'll be happy as all ends. But like my five-year goal, I want to hit that. And like, that's the target I have. I have other targets as well in my life that I want to hit. And I think having those targets in your life and actively trying to hit them being happy as if you get close to those targets, be happy. Like I had the, the stupid, not the stupidity, but when I was younger, I was like, I'm going to be married. I'm going to have a house. I'm going to have kids all by the time I'm 30, you know, and here I am 35 going on 36 and I have no relationship. <laughs> I have no kids. I have no house. Uh, but on the flip side, I run my own business. I am the healthiest I've ever been. My mind is the, in a happy place. I have amazing group of friends, people that I'm connecting with in France, in Macedonia, in Australia, in England. And it's this um, in the States, across Canada. And it's just this, yeah, like yourself, 
Aurora, and it's a pl- it's been an honor to talk with you. And I feel like I've been talking for nonstop for like eight years. Um, but yeah, I, I've learned that that's more important than any monetary amount that you can have. Because if you have community that's around you to support, and I had to build my community. I had to build and bring in the people and attract the people that I wanted in my life that are trying to improve their life or looking to help others improve their life because mm. that inspires me to keep pushing forward towards my goals. And okay. it, and it, it's true. If you, the five to 10 people that you have in your life and you surround yourself with are going to influence your life. So if you're, if you want to be a millionaire, find millionaires. If you want to be a billionaire, find billionaires. If you want to, you know, if you want to be an entrepreneur, surround yourself with entrepreneurs and be, and celebrate their wins. Regardless as if you're, you have a win to celebrate, celebrate every single win that you have from your, because that they're going to celebrate your wins just as much. Mm. So if anything, that's what I want to leave off on. Celebrate wins, celebrate everyone's wins. Like there's, we're in an age where everybody, there's abundance everywhere. Mm -hmm. You can find your, your perfect dream. You have the internet, you have access to stuff that generations ago no one had access to you have knowledge at the tip of your fingertips that can help you become whatever you want to be if you want to learn how to crochet there's probably a thousand youtube channels on how to crochet and you're going to find someone that can be your mentor and so you subscribe to them and you learn from them like i uh, i had the opportunity to interview an amazing uh podcaster for one of my shows and he's and through that connection, he's going to be putting me in touch with an OG podcaster, someone who's been in the industry for so long, who's monetized, who's huge as a podcaster. I'm like, oh my God, this would be like a dream come true. Like I have a couple people on my list and he's up there. He's in my top 10 of people I want to interview because it's like, this is a guy who's done it. Like this is a guy who started podcasting, created an empire pretty much from it. And now is like considered the name in podcasting. And I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. If I get the opportunity to even have a five minute conversation with him, I will lose my mind. Just because it's like this chance to connect on someone who, who's doing the same thing or is further along in their career and started where I am. Mm. Just an amazing opportunity to create that tribe of people around you that can help you grow. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, that's so beautiful. Very, very inspiring, Phil. Thank you so much for making the time here and sharing like your story, but then also the tools that you use to help yourself out and then to go on and inspire people to to follow their dreams and their passion. And yeah, you totally nailed it. Thank you so much. Oh, it was my pleasure. I can't thank you enough for giving me this opportunity. And actually, I have to thank you because I feel uplifted. Having been able to share my story uh, with stuff that I've never shared before with anybody. Yeah. Which is really, really weird because we've only known each other just like maybe like, th- what, three weeks, not even. And yeah. here I am like pouring out my life story to you and to your audience and just sharing with them. And it's not nothing to be ashamed of because sharing the, your pains, sharing your struggles, sharing your failures are just as important as sharing your 
your your your happy moments. Because if you share those happy moments and not sharing the pain, you're gonna you're gonna poison yourself. You're gonna poison all those great yes. happy yes. moments that you have because you're not releasing that negativity and keeping that negativity in you. And I truly be- I've started believing in the law of attraction and you know manifesting the future because if you have that goal in mind, I'm going to be a billionaire. I'm going to be a billionaire. You're going to work towards that goal. You're going to bring it to you and you're going to connect with people that can help you. And I, I never say, I always say, yes. If someone gives me an opportunity, I'm like, yes, let's do it. Like, Hey, Phil, do you want to be on my podcast? Yes. I have no idea what your podcast is about, but I'll be on it because I don't know who's listening to that. Yeah. And that person could contact me and be like, Hey, I want to be on your podcast. And then I'm part of their network. Yeah. And their network could lead me to, you know, one of my top, like, like I got one of my top 10 interviews potentially just from this one uh, interview that I had. And he has a connection to that world that I don't have. So being in his network and celebrating his wins and that other people will see it and want to connect with me. So it's just the law of attraction, the manifestation or manifesting your destiny is true. It does happen. It does work. You just have to it's just, a, it works on its own timetable. You can't control the timetable. Yes. It will come to you when you are ready. It, the world will test you oh so much and see if you're ready to receive the gift. That's yeah. all I know. You, you'll, you will be, I'm still being tested day in and day out. And I still, I allow the negativity in my life. I go, yes, I acknowledge you being negative, but on the flip side, what's the positive of this? I dealt with this already. Okay, I can deal with that. That's fine. Goodbye. Now let's look at the positive. Let's move on to the better part of life. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very powerful closing here, Phil. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, it was my pleasure to share some time and uh, my story with you and some little bit of wisdom that I have. Yeah. (laughs) That was wonderful. Yeah, I hope you got a lot of value out of this episode. I was very pleased to see that, yeah, Phil was opening up so much and sharing his whole story. It takes a lot to share so vulnerably and bold, and I deeply respect that. Make sure to check out Phil's podcast, contact him on Facebook, He's a very open and fun person to talk to. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review if you enjoyed this. Until next time, bye-bye.